I can't promise you we'll be the best team at Lake Placid next February. But we will be the best conditioned team. That I can promise you. Be prepared to grow through pain, gentlemen. You're going to skate harder than you've ever skated in your lives. Every minute of every day, you're on the ice with me. What's your name? Mark Johnson. Where are you from, Mark? Madison, Wisconsin. Who do you play for? University of Wisconsin coach. Come on, go, boys. Go, Mark. The fastest way to make this team is by being fast. How about you? It's Christian. Who do you play for? University of North Dakota. That's it. Come on. Twenty of you are going to Lake Placid, six are going home. Who that is, believe it or not, it's up to you. How about you? Doug Pavlich. Who do you play for? UMD Bulldogs. You guys don't want to work during the game? No problem, we'll work now. Goal line. That one. Pass off! Think you can win on talent alone? Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Again. You better think about something else, each and every one of you. When you pull on that jersey, you represent yourself and your teammates. And a name on the front is a hell of a lot more important than the one on the back. Get that through your head. Again. Win, lose, or tie, you're gonna play like champions. Again. You keep playing this way, you won't beat anybody who's even good, let alone great. You want to make this team, and you better start playing at a level that's going to force me to keep you here. Again. This cannot be a team of common men because common men go nowhere. You have to be uncommon. Again. 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 Herb. Come on, Craig, go to whistle. Again. Michael Ruzioni! Went through Massachusetts! Who do you play for? I play for the United States of America! That's all, gentlemen.
everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I open up with that scene from the movie Miracle about the 1980 Olympic uh, hockey team. And, and I, I watched that the other night again about for the 400th time. And I love those. I love that. That's actually a combination of two, two different training scenes in the, in the movie. And, and, I, and I think it illustrates, hey, life is tough. You get out of it what you put into it. Don't bitch about it when life is t- tough. Uh, you know, just don't ask God to lighten your load. Ask him to strengthen your back. And, uh, and I think that's such a, uh, such a patriotic illustration of that and how uh, Herb Brooks, played by, uh, by Kurt Russell, is trying to bring these guys into the team to realize who they're playing for and, and realize that it's, it's not about them. It's about the team and it's about the whole, the whole quest to win the gold medal and uh, against the Russians. And uh, of course, guess against everybody else in the, in the Olympics. Uh, that song was uh, magic from the cars. Uh, I, I use it cause Hey, it's summer. It's summertime now. And uh, it seems like, uh, uh, you know, the magic is when you watch TV, there's some kind of magic out there that, that Biden just uh, spouts crap out of his out of his uh, mouth. That's just magically. Hey, you know what? We've I've, I've uh, produced more jobs than Trump ever did. We have a stronger economy than Trump Trump ever ever did. And you know, it's just magic because if he says it, it must be true. And the Democrats seem to think, and the and the mainstream media seem to think, you know, if you just keep saying saying these lies. They become true. And of course, we saw uh, we'll talk about Biden's little speech at the CFL, uh, AFL CIO uh, uh, meeting this past, earlier this week. And, uh, you know, and where Biden seems to think if you yell it, if you yell out lies, they become true. So anyway, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a, in a little bit. Uh, but first, before I go any further, let me introduce myself. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman with Planet Home Lending. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and there, there are becoming opportunities out there. If, if you've been shopping for a house, you've been shopping for a house, you'll know now that you don't have to uh, overbid to get houses and it's not as much of a bloodbath out there. People are starting to wake up to the fact that, uh, uh, hey, sellers are greedy and there seems to be more inventory coming on the market and less people swooping them up. I guess the investors are starting to to become conscious of that we're about to go into a recession, and and prices prices where I don't think they'll come down, um, not dramatically, not for a while, but I think uh, they'll stop going up so crazy, and uh, so there's opportunities out there if you've been trying to buy a house, and of course the interest rates are significantly higher than they were at the beginning of the year. Um, but, you know, if you've read my book, you know about market cycles and uh, the market cycle has different phases and and this won't last forever. The rates you know, we're going to the, the Fed is going to raise raise rates to, to slow things down. And then when things slow down and get under control, then they're going to lower rates to, to speed to speed up, speed up uh, uh, the economy and get people buying again and all that stuff. So, uh, so there are fantastic opportunities. If you want to learn about your financing ability to do, to take advantage of some of them, some of them, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, dear night, toll free area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, find out some information, 
but you don't want to talk on the phone because you're at work or for whatever reason, you know, talking on the phone is so personal. Go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the Planet Home Lending logo. That'll take you to my lending page where you can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back and uh, you'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates. Um, if you want to hear any part of the show, uh, repeat it, or if you uh, miss, missed it, you can always get it on, stay on edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe for free and have it download to your device. Um, we, uh, I record on Friday mornings. It uploads on Friday afternoon. And uh, sometime, sometime uh, shortly thereafter, it'll download to your device and you can listen to it on demand. If you have comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. So uh, let's talk about uh, last week. Last week, I rambled too much on uh, on some of the subjects because uh, I had something to say. And I had uh, started, I had had down to talk about the uh, attempted murder of Justice Kavanaugh. Um, luckily, there's a little bit more development in it. So I'll talk about it this week. So uh, last week, a 26-year-old California man was charged with attempted murder after he told officials that he wanted to kill Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. The suspect, Nicholas Rost from Simi Valley, was arrested near Kavanaugh's residence last Wednesday. That morning, he was dropped off by taxi in front of Kavanaugh's home, wearing black clothes and a briefcase and backpack. When, uh, when two U.S. Marshals spotted him, he fled, he fled from the home, called 911 to confess his intentions. The marshals caught up to Rosk and arrested him. Police found in his bag a Glock 17 pistol with two magazines and ammunition, zip ties, a crowbar, and pepper spray. So when you just take the inventory there, uh, he's got a pistol and two, two magazines full, ammunition to reload those, uh, those uh, uh, magazines, and you got zip ties. What would you need zip ties for? Maybe to tie up uh, Kavanaugh's family? or Kavanaugh, uh, a crowbar to break into, and pepper spray, maybe to get people to stop uh, resisting. Not a good selection of things to have when the cops uh, question you. The affidavit says Ross told a detective he was upset about the leak of the, Supreme, of the recent Supreme Court draft decision regarding the right to abortion, as well as the recent school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. He indicated that he believed justice uh, he intended to kill Kavanaugh would side with the Second Amendment decisions and would loosen gun control laws. And I think that's kind of a paradox where you're, uh, you're concerned about him loosening gun control laws, so you travel across country with a gun and uh, with intent to kill him. Hmm, I wonder why this guy thought it would be a good idea to kill a conservative Supreme Court justice. I know that there's an outrage right now, I guess, about uh, protests that have been peaceful to date. And we certainly continue to encourage that outside of judges' homes. And that's the president's position. A conversation about civility feels um, like it misses the mark. The justices have security. I think women feel at this point that everything has been pulled back, everything they've ever fought for. It also sh uh, shows Alito what it feels like to lose your freedom of choice. He cannot leave the house easily. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Yeah, it's amazing if uh, if if uh, if Republicans actually said things like that, 
And of course, Republicans don't get so crazy because they try to say, hey, what's the what's the professional way to say this? What is the the proper way to say this? And uh, and the Democrats just say and that's why they get they they just say what's on their mind. And that's why they get the the media coverage, um, because that's what apparently people want to see. And but, you know, and, you know, once we had a president called Trump and he said what was on his mind and look how successful he was. Um, but the Democrats say this, if a Republican was to say some of the things that are coming out of uh, Schumer's mouth, you know, all hell would break loose in the in the mainstream media. And over the weekend, Bill Maher took aim at the New York Times, failing to adequately cover this, the assassination attempt. The New York Times buried this. Yeah, it was like if a this tiny had been thing below a, the fold. If this had been a liberal Supreme Court justice that someone came to kill, it would, have been on the, it would have been on the front page. And that's what's so disappointing about a paper like the New York Times, because they just wear their bias on their sleeves. And they, if it's not part of something that feeds our narrative... You know, it's amazing if you if you watch Bill Maher and if you don't, maybe it would, it's a mind stimulating show because and I've always said I've always said most of the time, most of the stuff that Bill Maher says, I don't agree with. Um, but he is funny and he is intelligent. So it's intelligent humor. And uh, and I don't have a problem laughing at myself, even though he's making fun of conservatives um, most of the time. Um, I think he's funny. So but. If you start watching him, watching him of the re, of the last several months, he starts out the show as a as a uh, liberal liberal Democrat. But by the time he ends the show, and I used to do uh, I used to do films, I used to do uh, videos that I would use for my uh, for my award ceremonies, and I'd have certain guys. I'd say, "Hey, here's here's a here's a couple of questions," and I'd say, "Tell me what the name of our company means to you. Tell me." why you're here. And I'd have them just sit in front in an empty room with a video camera on and they'd start answering it. And I just let them, I say, ramble as long as you want. And then just click, click the stop button when you're done. And then uh, it's after the, after they get off script, after they stop answering the direct question that the good stuff comes out. And then I would take all that video and I'd clip it together and, uh, and use it in a, in a video for our award ceremony. And, uh, and that seems to be what Bill Maher's doing. You know, he starts out, out, hey, I've got this uh, liberal person and we're going to talk about what a disaster Trump was. But then when he starts talking and he's got his panel thing going and he starts doing his new rules, he starts freestyling and you start to hear, hear the, 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 the fact that he's an intelligent person and it starts to come out. You start to hear what he's really thinking. So it's interesting. Try, uh, try uh, watching Bill Maher this week. And, uh, and if you have a chance, last week's show, he had uh, Kellyanne Conway on. And uh, she was awesome. Uh, she was really awesome on that. This week, the House overwhelmingly approved a bill called the Supreme Court Police Parity Act, which will provide additional security to justices and their family members. Republicans had been urging the House to pass this bill from the moment the Senate approved the measure on May 9th in the wake of the draft leak on overturning Roe v. Wade. The 396 to 27 vote clears the way for President Biden to sign the measure into law, which he's expected to do. All 27 no votes came from Democrats, including far left squad members, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, Jamal Bowman of New York, Cori Bush of Missouri, and Rashida Tlaib of Michigan. Surprisingly absent was Elon Omar of Minnesota. Apparently, uh, apparently she didn't vote. Maybe she was uh, out of the country visiting her family in Somalia or maybe visiting her uh, 
her, uh, her brother, I mean, her ex-husband, uh, uh, you know, and, uh, and having to, uh, uh, wasn't able to vote. Okay. So, uh, uh, this bill could have passed a month ago before the threat on Brett Kavanaugh's life. If Democrats hadn't wasted time trying to change the bill to include security for Supreme court clerks and staff. In other words, they want to add protections for the leakers. You said that justices are protected, but there was an attempt on Justice Kavanaugh's life. It's protected. The justices are protected. This issue is not about the justice. About, it's about a staff and, and the rest. As Republicans refuse to protect the families of Supreme Court employees who are at risk. Shame on you. Yeah, that uh, last part was, uh, and you know, uh, Pelosi said, hey, he was protected. He was protected, but apparently the new, the new law gives them more like a, uh, more like a secret service protection. So it gives all the, all the justices and their families secret service protection because getting a little crazy out there and Hey, if you can't kill judge Kavanaugh, let's go after his wife or his kids. And, uh, and so now they're, now they're going to have similar to secret service protection as soon as uh, uh, Biden wakes up from his nap and uh, has his ice cream and decides to sign it. That last uh, comment uh, saying, Hey, Republicans are, are blocking the protection is a uh, Ted Lou Democrat from California 33rd district, which is a, uh, you know, Palos Verdes Peninsula, part of Torrance, uh, rolling Hills estates, all the places where the rich people live and uh, apparently uh, can't, can't gather around to, uh, to vote for a Republican. Meanwhile, it's been over a week since the attempt on a Supreme court justice's life and president Biden hasn't yet condemned it, but that's not what his press secretary claims. It has now been reported that the marshals, uh, our administration assigned to help protect judges, were instrumental uh, in the person not accomplishing the horrible deed it, he set out to do. This is the threat that we saw against Kavanaugh. And so we have taken this very seriously. Like you said, we have com- condemned, it, condemned it. The president has, and we will continue to do so. And that's exactly what it said in her, for her to say in her little book of answers and that she just read from, which if you watch, uh, if you watch, uh, uh, the the new press secretary. That's basically all she does is, you know, that somebody asks her a question. Oh, let me see what I got in here. She thumbs through her binder, her binder of answers, um, and uh, and finds her play, and then just reads it. She doesn't lift her eyes. She doesn't she doesn't have any any knowledge in her head. All she knows is how to read. So uh, so every time the poll numbers dip, Biden returns to Pennsylvania to make one of his trademark blue collar speeches, and that's exactly what he did this week. Speaking at the annual AFL-CIO convention in Philadelphia, did he finally reveal a plan to bring down inflation and gas prices? No. Did he admit he is, that his endless COVID relief spending played a part in killing our economy? No. In fact, he doubled down on the idea that it helped. Did he take ownership of his economy in any way, shape, or form? Absolutely not. What, what did he do instead? Well, more ultra-mega talk. More doubling down on the idea that he's delivering a better economy than Trump. You know, the, that magical stuff he's coming up with. Flat out making up scenarios about food shortages under Trump. That's ironic. And uh, more pointing a finger at the Republicans who criti- criticize his reckless COVID spending. Let's hear some of it. Look, I believe in bipartisanship. But I have no illusions about this Republican Party, the MAGA Party. I've been able to bring some Republicans along on parts of my plan. But the fact is, Republicans in Congress are still in the grip of the ultra-MAGA agenda. They still refuse to consider changing any part of the Trump tax cuts. 
which delivered massive windfalls to billionaires and others. 20 million Americans had lost their jobs on the last guy. In fact, so many Americans lost their jobs that my predecessor became just the second president in history to leave office with fewer jobs in America than when he took office. Remember those long lines of cars stretching miles back waiting for just a box of food to be put back in their trunk? It wasn't just poor folk. It was working class folks, middle class folks. A lot of pretty nice cars in those lines. I don't want to hear any more of these lies about reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. Republicans in Congress are doing everything they can to stop my plans to bring down costs on ordinary families. Really? Republicans are doing everything, everything they can to stop his plans. I haven't heard a plan yet. I haven't heard a plan yet to uh, to bring down inflation and gas prices. You know, it would it would be really easy for him to say, hey, I screwed up. Hey, I shouldn't have turned off the XL pipeline. I shouldn't have stopped the drilling in Anwar. I should have uh, been more uh, I should have been more realistic about stopping the fossil fuel industry. Um, and maybe that would have been maybe that would have been uh, a fair. And, you know, he says, hey, Trump was only the second president in history to have fewer jobs out there than when he started. Well, we had a pandemic. We had a pandemic, but you know, once once it came in and everybody's sitting at home, there's nothing that Trump Trump was saying. Hey, you got to get people out working again. Got to get people out working again. Got to put people get people out working again. Uh, you know, and all they had to do is release all the COVID restrictions, and people would have been back to work. Um, and then when the when the COVID restrictions got uh, got released. Now people are back to work. So you, so when he says, hey, we, we created 8.7 million jobs since I've been in here. No, you haven't. All you did was release the COVID restrictions and people went back to their jobs they had. It's funny if you look at, if you look at things in the right, in the right, uh, at the right angle, they look completely different. If you've seen the scene from uh, Cousin Vinny when he uses the playing card and he's talking about, hey, they show you the bricks. When you see this brick, it, it looks rectangle like it's supposed to be. And it, and you know, but if you turn it sideways, it's as thin as it's playing card. It's, you know, it, it, it's, it's an illusion. And then of course, uh, one of my, one of my favorite lies that Biden says. Families are carrying less debt nationwide. They're having more savings nationwide. Yeah. Right. So consider this families are, families are, are paying their bills and paying not paying their credit cards. And then all of a sudden the price of gas to get to work goes up. The price of food to feed their family goes up. The price of everything goes up. Um, I'm out shopping for a car and uh, uh, up here in Montana uh, to leave in my garage so I can fly back and forth. And uh, I'm unbelievable. The prices of, of cars you used or new. And, you know, so when that happens, do your credit card, do your credit card uh, balances go up or do they, are they, or they get paid off? I think that's when you use credit cards, when all of a sudden you get an unexpected uh, uh, wrench thrown in the, thrown in the, in your plans and you have to start spending more money than you intended. So you pull out your credit cards. And does that mean they're saving more than ever? Uh, I don't think so. You know, I listen to this stuff and I mull it around in my head and I just go, this doesn't make any logical sense. So anyway, hey, we got a lot more to talk about uh, what Biden said and what's going on. 
and uh, what happened this week. But uh, stay tuned for five minutes of weather, traffic, sports, and commercials. And I'll be right back with part two of the main event. Welcome back to the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, branch manager, Planet Home Lending. I don't talk a lot about real estate and financing on the radio, but I could, I could go on and on and tell you some stuff that I see. And uh, but if you're if you're looking for a house, uh, whether it be in California or anywhere in the country, um, and you need financing, call me if you're uh, if you're wondering if uh, maybe you should rearrange some of your debt, even though the interest rates are significantly higher than they were in the beginning of the year. Uh, and you want to know if it still makes sense anyway to do something with the, with your debt while the value of your house is still high. Um, if you're in, if you're thinking about, a, if you're over 62 or your spouse is over 62 and you're thinking about one of those reverse mortgage things, because, uh, you're saying, Hey, you know what I'd like to, uh, especially, you know, I have a lot of people saying, Hey, I'm unsure about what's going to happen in this economy. And I think it might just make things easier if I just didn't have a house payment. Um, and they're, and they're calling and we're helping them out. Uh, so if you're interested in any of that stuff, call me toll free 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net, click on the planet home lending logo and we'll do the cyber thing. So before the break, I was talking about, uh, Biden's, uh, Biden's riffraff, the, the, the magic he's got coming out of his mouth in uh, Philadelphia at the AFL CIO conference. And, uh, we talked about all that stuff. Um, Biden also took aim, took aim at Florida Senators Rick Scott in his speech. Even though Republicans are still not supporting Scott's Rescue America plan, which if you haven't, I posted it on uh, social media. I talked about it on the show. If you haven't looked at it, just Google uh, Rick Scott Rescue America plan and read it. It's uh, like 12 points that, uh, that outline things that he thinks that, we're, that we should do to to change America and, and bring it back to, you know, make America great again, basically, and go back to some basics. I don't know why the Republicans aren't stepping in and saying, Hey, this is a great plan. Reminds me of, uh, of, of, uh, Newt Gingrich's contract with America. Here's what we're going to do. And it's, uh, and it's basically that. Um, so he, t- so I don't know why the Republicans aren't, aren't, uh, getting behind it, but senators, Senator Scott went on, with Martha McCallum immediately after the speech to react to to, uh, Biden's comments. I don't think that if I was Biden, I'd be bragging about the economy right now. I will never vote for a tax increase. I don't know Republicans are going to vote for a tax increase. But what Joe Biden wants to do is he says he wants to act like he's only going to tax the rich. He's already f- proposed taxing poor people. He's done that before. He's he's personally proposed cutting Medicare and Social Security. How can this guy just get up there and completely lie? But here's why he's like he is. He grew up going to a rich prep school. He's been taking care of through your tax dollars as a U.S. Senator, Vice President, now President. He doesn't know how you put gas in the car. He doesn't know what it's like to have to go to food bank to go get food or have to go on unemployment. He's never, ever had these experiences. That's going on all across my state when people say, with these gas prices, with this inflation, they're going to food banks. They're delaying their retirement. They're shutting down their businesses. He has no concept. The people he has around him, they've never run a business. It's a bunch of academics that have never ever run a business before they've read about things in a book and that's about it no hard knocks 
Yeah, it's amazing if you uh, if you notice the difference between now and when we had a businessman in the White House. You know, uh, by what what Rick Scott said, hey, he doesn't he doesn't know how what it's like to put gas in your car. He doesn't, you know, he's been in the he's been in government all the all these years and the government paying all his bills. And don't and don't don't be fooled by the fact that uh, Congress people make one hundred seventy two thousand dollars a year to think that you know why would you spend so much money and raise so much money to get a job that pays one hundred seventy two thousand a year? Because I was kind of under that illusion uh, that. You know, hey, why would you why would you work that hard for a job that only pays that? Why would you why would you work that hard to to become president? Why would you spend a billion dollars and put out all that effort to get a job that pays four hundred thousand dollars a year? The the other side of the coin is they get paid their salary, but they don't have to spend it on anything. All their expenses are paid by us, the taxpayers. So, you know, if you think about it, if you can make a 50 or 80 or $100,000 a year and, and spend it all without saving any money at the end of the, by the end of the year, you've spent every dollar you made. Um, so then add 50, 80 or $100,000 a year to their salary because they don't have to pay for anything. In addition to that, their family doesn't have to pay for anything because they get an office back in their district and they get an office in, in, uh, at, in Washington, D.C. They get an apartment. In Washington D.C., and they get a uh, and they have to staff their staff their uh, office in Washington D.C. and they have to staff their office back in their own district. And nine times out of ten, they're staffing it with their friends and their family. And you know, hey, we we need these expenses here, and they have expenses for their and and we're paying for all that stuff. It's ridiculous. So we had a we had a a president in the white house that was a businessman that understood how to put his own gas in his car. And uh, maybe he didn't uh, after he got to be a billionaire, but he understands, understands how to, how to sign a check on the front. He understands watching, uh, watching the, uh, the budget get out of control in his business. So he, he was able to do that in the, uh, uh, in the, in the government and see our tax fund. Cause that's just how, what the American government is. It's a business. And, uh, and he understood how people feel. He understands what it's like when, uh, when we let uh, bad guys in our, in our country, we let bad guys out of jail. He understands that because he didn't live in the, he didn't live in the, in the white house all these years. He wasn't protected by the government uh, secret service all these years. So watch how much more effective he was because of it. All right. So let's uh, go on to the big financial stuff that happened this week on Wednesday. The Federal Reserve made its attempt at lowering inflation by raising the interest rates by 75 basis points, which means three quarters of a percentage rate. The biggest rate hike in 28 years since 1994. So the reason they had to do this is because they should have been raising the rates last year. Last year when they were saying, eh, I don't think the inflation's uh, serious. It's transitory. This isn't going to stay on. They should have been raising the interest rates then a quarter percent here, a quarter percent there, and should have been able to uh, uh, to um, ease, uh, ease us in and it would have slowed inflation down. But then they let it get get so intense. They let it get so intense that they had to they had to make some big jumps. So what does that do? On the same day, the Fed released some dismal economic projections. I thought that the White House is going to have trouble spinning a downgrade in this year's inflation adjusted GDP growth estimates. So in March, the Fed, the Fed uh, projected the economy would grow 
2.8% this year and 2.2% next year, which would, which would require since the first quarter of this year, we lost 1.5%. That would require them to, to have an increase in this, in the, the quarter two, quarter three and quarter four, a total of 4.2% this year. Now they've changed the prediction to 1.7 by the end of the year and another 1.7 growth next year. So if that's the case, then we need to have uh, the GDP grow in the, in the second, third and fourth quarters, uh, 3.2% because we've already lost 1.5. And at the end of June, they're going to release the, the GDP numbers. And we're going to see that it dropped a second, a second quarter in a row, which is the definition of recession. Uh, they also predicted that uh, projected an unemployment rate rising to 3.7 by the end of the year, 3.9 in 2023, and 4.1 by the end of 2024, meaning that there's no end in sight for this unemployment. And of course, the unemployment rates are really only that low because of the labor participation rates. There's so many people that just aren't looking for jobs. They're making more money uh, being influencers on the internet or, uh, you know, doing, uh, doing whatever kind of lewd things that they do into various uh, apps so people can look at them uh, taking off their clothes. So uh, they projected an inflation forecast of 5.2% by the end of the year. That's, that's slower than the current rate of inflation at 8.6, but it's, significant, it's significantly faster than the previous projection in March when the Fed projected the, the year would end at 4.3%. And of course, at the end of the year, they're going to be doing year over year. Uh, the year over year inflation is going to say, hey, what were the prices in December of 2021 versus December of 2022 versus what we're doing doing now? And there were where we're saying, hey, what's the what's the, the prices in June of 21 versus June 22? And it and it's probably going to be lower because it because of prices were already being inflated by the by the end of 2021. Take all this stuff with a grain of salt, folks, because uh, that way they can't blow smoke up your butt. Uh, and the prediction that the Fed funds rate will increase by another 1.75 percent. Uh, 1.75 points over the next four policy meetings, ending the year above 3%. So what does that mean? So the Fed funds rate uh, is, in, is a direct change in the prime rate. So the Fed funds rate is now 3%, and the Fed funds rate is now 4.5%. Oh, I'm sorry, 4.75%. Um, so when it, if it goes up another one and three quarters percent, in the next, uh, in by the end of the year, that means the prime rate is going to go from 4.75 up to six and a half. So let me put that in perspective. If you've got a if you've got a hundred thousand dollar HELOC on your house, and let's say your HELOC was at was at a prime plus one and a quarter, which was a pretty good rate, means you had pretty good credit. So if you're at prime plus one and a quarter um, at the beginning of the year, that was a 3.25 plus one and a quarter. So that's four and a half. So your payment would have been your interest only payment on that HELOC would have been $375. When it goes to uh, when it goes up another uh, 1.75. So it's going to go from 4.75 up to uh, six and a half. That'd be six point. So you'd have a hundred thousand, 100,000 times 0.0. If we're at six and a half, it's going to be seven, seven point seven five. Um, divided by 12, their payment's going to go from $375 a month to $645 a month. 
So you're going to have a uh, 100 and 100, 200, $260 a month difference in your payment on your HELOC. Just in interest. That's not going to make a lot of people happy with their budget. Um, here's some expert analysis from Edward Lawrence of Fox Business and legendary Larry Kudlow. So again, the Federal Reserve forecasting three more rate hikes at 50 basis points at half a percentage point and one more at 25 percentage points this year. That means anyone with a credit card, mortgages, adjustable rate mortgage, they'll see that mortgage rate go up as these rate hikes happen throughout the course of the rest of this year. This is just the beginning. I don't think the Fed funds rate can really start beating inflation down until it gets up to about 6%, maybe 6.5%. They have a long road to go. They're going to have to raise another 75 or 100 at the July meeting, and they're going to have to do it again in September. This is why Biden's polls are so low. People do not have confidence. They see right through the lies and the falsehoods. And Kudlow also pointed out the lie that we're being told on gas prices to protect Democrats' larger agenda. By the way, one of these other lies is that somehow they're, they're using a four-year average for Trump's oil production. That includes 2020 and COVID, when everything was shut down. We are still over a million barrels a day of oil short from where we were pre-pandemic. And we are still about 750,000 barrels a day short in gasoline. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And here's another point. Instead of trying to go after the oil companies and yell at them and slap uh, surtaxes on their excess profits, uh-huh. how about letting them build refineries? Not only have they canceled leases in Alaska and the Gulf of Mexico, not only have they stopped the XL pipeline and virtually any other pipeline, their environmental restrictions from EPA and interior and energy have stopped new refineries. One of the problems with the gasoline situation is they're at capacity. Why is this? Because we haven't built a new refinery since the 1970s. So this stuff's not good. They've tried to expand existing refineries. They need to build new ones. They can't get it through the EPA regulations and they can't get it through the NEPA permitting regulations. So these are self-inflicted wounds that the Biden administration has created. And I hate to say we told you so, but we told you so. Yeah. So when Kudlow's referring to uh, how they're using the four-year average on uh, oil production during the Trump years, so they're trying to say, you hear Biden saying, "We're producing, we're producing more oil than we ever did when my predecessor, when my predecessor was president," and that's just not true. And your logically thinking brain or your smoke detector on the back belt loop of your pants, you know, when you're having smoke being blown up your blown up your behind is because we know that we're not producing more oil than we were. And, you know, the pipeline shut down, drilling in Anwar shut down, drilling all over the places shut down the Gulf of Mexico and, uh, and everywhere that's federal lands. And he's just stopping the, the fossil fuel industry. So, and you think about during the, it's not just 2020 when they, when people weren't uh, drilling as much, but also 2016, or 2017, when when Trump got inaugurated, you know he opened up the XL pipeline and he opened up the uh, uh, drilling in Anwar, but it took a little while to get ramped up. So when it was kicking butt in 2019, we were we were uh, we were huge huge producer of oil, and probably in 2020 as well, probably just not as much because of COVID. 
So, you know, you got to understand when, uh, when they're blowing smoke up, up your butt. Um, so what is, what is the agenda here? As Biden prepares to go to Saudi Arabia uh, to beg for more oil, also we're writing uh, his ridiculously strong-worded strong letter to the seven largest oil companies demanding them to give up profits. So let's, let's, uh, let's take a look at that, and let's play this little clip of what, uh, what Biden's been saying. We're going to make sure that everybody knows Exxon's profits. Why don't you tell them what Exxon's profits were this year, this quarter? Exxon made more money than God this year. And by the way, nothing's changed. And they're not, by the way, one thing I want to say about the oil companies, they talk about how we have, they have 9,000 permits to drill. They're not drilling. Why aren't they drilling? Because they make more money not producing more oil. The price goes up, number one. And number two, the reason they're not drilling is they're buying back their own stock, which should be taxed, quite frankly, buying back their own stock and making no new investments. So uh, I, uh, I always thought Republicans are for investment. Exxon, start investing, start paying your taxes. Yeah, amazing. We thought I always thought, why aren't they making new investments? Because you're not allowing them to make any money. You're not allowing them to invest in places where they can drill. Why aren't they drilling more? Because there's no place to drill that they're not already drilling. That's still allowed. And uh, when you look at that, he points out that they're making so much money. In the first quarter of 2021, from what I can see, they, Exxon made $2.8 billion in profits. But in the, second, in the first quarter of 2022, they made $5.5 billion. What you don't see, what you don't see on the surface is that, hey, in the first quarter of 2021, Biden shut everything off. So I'm sure that Exxon had had billions of dollars out there invested in expansion and drilling and doing all that stuff. And when they all have to turn that stuff off, they have to write it off somewhere. So, hey, the, all this all this money invested becomes a loss. So the fact that 2021 was low doesn't mean they're they're cranking up the profits this year. That just means they took the big write off in the beginning of of 2021. You have to look past the surface of of the of the numbers and Biden just doesn't know how to do that because he's never run a business. So uh, here's here's the next thing I want to talk about. Do you know what DEF fluid is? Uh, it's diesel exhaust fluid. Every diesel truck that has been made since 2010 is required to use. Um, its product is made up of 67% urea fertilizer um, and 33% distilled water. So every diesel truck you see driving down the road today has to have this product. The engines won't start without it. There are, there are regulators inside the engine that mix the DEF and the diesel to reduce diesel emissions. That's the purpose of DEF. So in other words, it's a, it's kind of a liquid catalytic converter for diesel rigs. So, you know, you're driving a gas car, you have a, especially if you're in California, you have a catalytic converter on your, on your car, which basically uh, takes the exhaust fumes that come out of the, come out of your engine and that recirculates it again. Um, so it, uh, so it burns, burns off some of the, the bad stuff out of it before it comes out your tailpipe doesn't help the product, the performance of your car just makes the environmental people happy. The United States imports most of its urea fertilizer, which is a combination of, uh, of, uh, nitrogen and a bunch of other chemicals, uh, used to make DEF the largest exporters of the fertilizer were, were, uh, Russia, China, Egypt, and Qatar. over the past year, Russia and China have halted their exporting, uh, of the of the fertilizer, Russia was halted when the trade was cut off amid the war in Ukraine. In a nutshell, we depend. In a nutshell, we depend on other countries so that we can drive. 
And you would think, you would think the president, I know President Trump would say, hey, why do we depend on people that hate us? Why don't we produce this stuff here? There's nothing that they produce in another country that we can't produce in our own country. And uh, so Biden's going over to Saudi Arabia to beg them to increase production so that we can have their oil. The company Pilot J, Pilot Flying J, you know, there are truck stops and gas stations. You see them along the, along the freeways. They're the largest servicer for truckers, service provider for truckers in the United States. They supply 30% of all the diesel exhaust fluid uh, here in the United States. They get 70% of their DEF fluid from shipments via Union Pacific Railroad um, from a company that's called CF Industrial, which uh, they take the urea fertilizer, turn it into DEF, and then they ship it through Union Pacific. Union Pacific has primary access to the to the uh, the plants where they make the DEF. Um, no other rail provider has access to these distribution points. This means Flying J can't just go around Union Pacific to get the DEF fluid. When Flying J CEO Shamit Konar testified in a surface board transportation meeting on April 27th, he said that Union Pacific contacted Flying J on April 13th ordering them to reduce their DEF shipments by 50% or face embargoes. By complying with this order from Union Pacific, Flying J is forced to, to take away 15% of the DEF consumed by truckers in the whole country. Because again, they supply 30% of the DEF in the country and they're being asked to cut their shipments in half. The idea here is that there simply isn't gonna be enough DEF fluid to keep our trucks moving. This isn't, and of course, it could be that they could re-engineer the the engines in these diesel trucks so they could operate without this, but that will make the environmental climate change people upset. This isn't just affecting our gas prices, it's gonna affect our food prices and will likely cause more food shortages. Will the federal government intervene via the Defense Production Act? They haven't so far. As we talked about here last week, the only thing that Biden used the Defense Production Act for is during the cri during this crisis is to make solar panels. So, uh, Again, the problem is that President Biden has no concept of cause and effect. He doesn't understand where things come from. He doesn't understand when you cut off oil supply, it cuts off gas supply, it raises the price of gas, and that affects everything. That affects everything. And this, and this uh, urea fertilizer needs to go to the farms as well. And so this is going to be a shortage for the farmers and it's going to create food shortages because they use this kind of stuff to grow their crops, which feeds our country. So every week, finish with that, every week major publication comes out with a story where dozens of Democrats speak anonymously about their fears of Joe Biden running again for 2024. This week, it was the New York Times uh, where they printed an article said, should Biden run in 2024? Democrat whispers of no start to rise. As challenges facing the nation mount and fatigue-based voters show low enthusiasm, Democrats in union meetings uh, the back rooms of Capitol Hill and party gatherings from coast to coast are quietly worrying about Mr. Biden's leadership, his age, his capability to take the fight to former President Donald J. Trump a second time. Interviews with nearly 50 Democrat officials, as well as with disappointed voters who backed Mr. Biden in 2020, reveal a party alarmed about Republicans rising strength and extraordinary pessimistic about the immediate path forward. So clearly, no one wants Joe to run again. Uh, and I don't see how he can. But if you dare to ask his press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, you get she gets to read one of these responses from her little uh, binder. 
Is the president running for re-election? The president, as you know, has been asked that question many times, and he has answered it. Uh, his answer has been pretty simple, which is, yes, he's running for re-election. Does the president have the stamina, physically and mentally, do you think, to continue on even after 2024? Don, you're asking me this question. Oh, my gosh. He's the president of the United States. You know, it, he, I can't even keep up with it. We just got back from New Mexico. We just got back um, from California. Uh, that is... Uh, I, 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 that is not a question that we should be even asking. Yeah, she can't keep up, keep up with him because she doesn't get to take naps in the middle of the day like he does. So she, so she gets worn out from working uh, all the hours that Biden should be working. If you remember when Trump was in office, Trump was working late nights. He only slept four hours a day, and uh, which is something that's uh, unusual. But that's what the energy level of a president needs to be. And uh, apparently Kareem Jean-Pierre can't keep up with him because he gets to take multiple naps all during the day. So anyway, that's uh, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. So uh, thanks for listening. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I will be back with you from California next week.